For our series of the ADC's competition talks with leading experts, we have today Richard Wish, Emeritus Professor of Law at King's College London and one of the foremost European experts in competition policy. Professor Wish has published many books and articles on competition law and has advised various governments and competition authorities. Professor Wish, welcome to the ADC. We are delighted to have you here and I'm very uh, pleased to do this Comcast with you. Given your extensive experience, we could talk about everything in competition law in this in this podcast um, but um, I would really uh, like to to ask you um, if you could share your views with us uh, in terms of the indirect information exchanges between retailers and a common supplier the commonly known uh, hub and spoke or ABC information exchange cases so this what is what we will be addressing in our in our short comcast today so um, Richard in your opinion, opinion, what makes hub and spoke cartels special or different from other types of cartels? Yes, well, hub and spoke cases are very interesting and um, they've had a lot of coverage in the United Kingdom because we had two decisions from the Office of Fair Trading in 2003, one called Football Shirts and one called Toys and Games. Uh, and in each of them, the Office of Fair Trading decided that there was a hub and spoke conspiracy between retailers as to the price at which they would resell the goods in question. Why are these called hub-and-spoke cases? Um, if we regard the two retailers in question as being A and C, the point about a hub-and-spoke case is that there is no evidence of direct contact between A and C, or between C and A. Rather, A has discussions with a common supplier B, so we will regard B as the hub. B then has discussions with C. C then says something back to B, B to A. And the question that arises is, can the verbal communications between the two spokes and the hub B give rise to a horizontal concerted practice between A and C? In both of those cases, the Office of Fair Trading was satisfied there was uh, a hub and spoke conspiracy. Uh, the decision was up. The decisions were upheld on appeal to the Competition Appeal Tribunal and ultimately to the Court of Appeal. Subsequently, we had another case, dairy products, where again a hub and spoke conspiracy was established. Well, that, that's a, a great way to introduce uh, the second issue that uh, I would like to, 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 to discuss with you or, or listen to your views on, which is in your um, brief explanation, you touched upon uh, elements of horizontal as well as vertical agreement. So there's a mixed uh, uh, cases. Uh, Hub and spoke cartels are a mixed case. Uh, and that raises, raises the question of how we should deal with hub and spoke cases um, as straight horizontal cartels to be considered illegal per se, or given the vertical elements, should we adopt uh, rather a, a rule of reason? That is a discussion that has been uh, in the literature and that I would really like to listen uh, to your views on. Well, it is complicated, and I think one has to bear in mind that uh, cases very much to turn upon their own particular set of facts. You could have a case where there's obviously a series of vertical resale price maintenance agreements between the supplier and each dealer, in which case a competition authority could simply 
uh, proceed against the vertical agreements and not take the case any further than that. However, there might be another case where it really appears that what is going on is that the retailers are endeavouring to reach agreement between themselves as to the prices at which they will sell, but the medium through which they bring about the horizontal concerted practice is the vertical discussions that are held with the hub uh, B. So what is distinctive about hub-and-spoke cases is that one is using the vertical discussions to establish the horizontal conspiracy. What I would say is that if the evidence is robust enough, and I think these cases crucially depend upon evidence, but if in the end the evidence establishes to the requisite standard that there is a horizontal concerted practice, and if that concerted practice is as to the price at which goods will be resold, well, that, to my mind, is an object restriction. I think the authority has to go a great uh, distance in order to establish the horizontal concerted practice. But if it is a horizontal concerted practice as to price, then, to my mind, that is a restriction of competition by object. Exactly. So it all boils down to the kind of evidence you have in order to choose uh, how to go about it. And and maybe there's more hub and spoke cartels that have been um, uh, dismantled by interaction, by the intervention of competition authorities through uh, uh, vertical agreements and they're, therefore not appearing in case law as hub and spoke cases per se. Now, um, uh, there is, however, an element that is, uh, as, as you were explaining before, quite key in all this, which is the hub. Um, and, and, for example, a supplier will only participate voluntarily in a concerted practice with retailers if it has incentive uh, to do so. In your view, should a competition authority re be required to de demonstrate the intent of the supplier hub in participating in a, in a hub and spoke cartel, or should the disclosure of information from the supplier hub to the retailers or spokes suffice to satisfy the legal element of collusion as a concerted practice? Well, my first uh, response to that would be to say that a finding of infringement of Article 101, or indeed 102, does not require evidence of subjective intention on the part of any participant in the agreement or practice. Um, one has to look at the conduct and understand objectively what it was intended to achieve. Um, intention is relevant when we come to fines and the level of fines. Regulation 1 talks about whether the infringement was intentional or negligent, but uh, that's different from requiring subjective intention to prove the infringement. So that's point one. Point two is that if we're looking at the position of B, who might be condemned as a hub, or alternatively, let's not forget there's different case law that says B might be held liable as a facilitator of a horizontal agreement between A and C, I think that these cases would require that B has knowledge of the overall plan to achieve an anti-competitive uh, outcome. So I think in that sense, the state of knowledge of B is relevant to its liability.
Richard, there's a, a, a very different experiences um, regarding heaven's book uh, cartels. And, and for sure, as time goes by, uh, things will converge uh, to some extent. But uh, while the UK uh, has uh, uh, appears or emerges as a pivotal uh, uh, in, in heaven's book cartel cases uh, with, uh, with the 2003 uh, OFT decisions that you mentioned earlier, the European Commission um, ha at the European level, let's say, or the European Commission has not so many uh, uh, case law on, on heaven's book. There are obviously some uh, countries that have cases, but the European Commission does not have a, a huge amount of case law in, in this regard. Why do you think that is the case? Do you think there's still some element of legal uncertainty? Do you think there's a step back in dealing with these cases? Do you think sometimes the cases do not emerge as, as heaven spoke because there's so many instruments, as you were mentioning before, to go around or to, to go about these cases uh, with different legal instruments? How, how would you read this, um, the, the fact that there's not a lot of case law uh, from the European Commission on this? Well, my first response to that would be to say that um, I'm not sure that there's a lot of legal uncertainty as to whether the phenomenon of hub-and-spoke conspiracy exists. I think it does exist. And what I haven't said earlier, but I think it's crucial to understand, it all tracks back to the definition of a concerted practice. And a concerted practice arises where, let's stick to A and C, knowingly substitute practical cooperation between themselves for the risks inherent in competition, sugar cartel, uh, this, con this concerted practice can come about by direct or indirect contact. Um, well, the ABC fact pattern fits that rather nicely. It's indirect contact between A and C through the medium of B. So I'm not sure that there's legal uncertainty as to the concept of hub-and-spoke conspiracy. I think what's quite different is whether one comes across a case which is a paradigm example for intervention on a hub-and-spoke basis. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some cases where we find lots of vertical agreements which cumulatively are having a horizontal effect, we don't like the horizontal effect, but let's put an end to the vertical agreements and we've achieved our object. There are other cases where there may actually be obvious horizontal contacts, and so we can bring an end to the practice just by condemning the, the concerted practice achieved through horizontal contact. The point about the Hub and Spoke cases is there's no direct evidence of horizontal contact and maybe it's not sufficient to uh, attack the vertical agreements. Now, maybe the Commission has never come across the, as it were, perfect hub-and-spoke case. As you know, the Belgian Competition Authority intervened under its Article 101 in the case of uh, uh, perfume and, and uh, health care, personal care products, and... Um, achieved a settlement with Procter & Gamble and Glaxo and Unilever and various uh, retailers, fine of 174 million euros. Well, that case was done in Brussels. It just happens to have been done in Brussels by the Belgian authority rather than by the commission. Exactly, exactly. So uh, given that 
all is so well established, uh, given that it all depends on a cumulative element of evidence around the case, such that it can make it, uh, uh, as you say, a, a more clear-cut heaven-spoke case, uh, we should expect, uh, with time, more decision, because it's a well-grounded uh, approach, it's a well-grounded theory of harm. Well, I'm sure there will be further decisions, um, but I think there's an important point to make, which is, if an authority is trying to establish a horizontal conspiracy between A and C on the basis of vertical communications between each of A, C and B, the hub, the authority must be realistic in day-to-day -day negotiation and bargaining between a supplier and a distributor an awful lot of things will be said about price, margins, sustainability, cutthroat competition, blah, blah, blah. Of course, A would love C to put its prices up, and C would love A to put its prices up. But things to that effect can be said which fall way, way short of hub-and-spoke conspiracy. And so what I would say is that an authority should not torture the evidence until it confesses. Rather, I think the authority has to be convinced that there is a horizontal conspiracy and then see whether there is evidence uh, responsive to that assertion. But I think one has to tread with care because you don't want to chill all the daily quotidian um, bargaining, table thumping, etc., that goes on between uh, any supplier and its retailers. So if I can uh, restate what your recommendation is on this matter for competition authorities, is and uh, know how to entangle the evidence and let the data speak, let the evidence speak. Am I right? That's absolutely uh, what I believe. And these cases are... Obviously, by necessity, they are complicated and there's going to be a mass of evidence, but you've got to let the evidence speak for itself. Thank you so much for this podcast. It was really a, a great pleasure to have this competition talk with you. Very nice to discuss it with you. Thank you. <laughs>